Hi, this is Ben Lola, back to the Bible Canada. What does it mean to live skillfully, or as the Bible would describe as living a life of wisdom? Today we begin a practical one-week series on the book of Proverbs, a series we hope will provide you some tools for living and an appetite to know more. So let's join Dr. Newfeld as we begin this series entitled Skillful Living with our first message focusing on Proverbs chapter 1 verses 8 to 33, wise words to gullible people. I want to begin a one-week series on Proverbs by reading Proverbs 1 verses 8 to 19. Hear my son your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood, let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will have all one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths, for their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird, but these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. You know, the book of Proverbs, which is a book about wisdom, doesn't begin with abstract theories of what constitutes wisdom. Wisdom is rather straightforward. Wisdom is skill in living or the ability to live successfully. And so since that's the case, the book begins very practically by appealing to us to reject association with criminals. You know, we live in a world that sometimes glorifies criminals. Movies about the perfect bank robbery, the classy and sophisticated art thief, or a plot line that tells the story of a brilliant casino caper in which a large amount of money is stolen from a gambling establishment. I mean, these stories are popular and they attract the imagination of many. But underneath this glitz of the daring robbery is the picture of the seamy side of life. Committing crimes to gain easy access to money is not a lifestyle to be emulated. Several years ago, where I live in greater Vancouver, an innocent man, Ed Schellenberg, a 55-year-old father from Abbotsford, a Christian man was repairing a gas leak in an apartment. Unbeknownst to him, that apartment was a part of the turf in a war between two rival gangs. He was tied down and shot in the back of the head because he was simply in the way when the gang wanted to kill others. He left behind him a wife and loved ones who grieved deeply. Later, all the assassins, at least as I understand it, were dead themselves. The gang war went on. The victims were many. How glitzy is that? Proverbs begins with a picture of parents in the raising of their children. It tells us that wise parents teach their children well. Wise parents understand, according to verse 10, that there are sinners all around their kids who are trying to entice them or allure them or seduce them into the lifestyle of the fool. In some environments, the attraction of joining a criminal gang seems overwhelming. Gangs offer money, acceptance, and friendship, meaning in life, other people who envy them. That's attractive. Solomon imagines a young man in his adolescence on the verge of manhood as one who does not yet have the ability to make good choices. So why is that? According to verse 4 and 22, we read the phrase, simple ones. In this context, Solomon is referring to the person who is young. 
That word can also be translated as gullible or naive, or it can be translated as inexperienced. That's who the young are. They're not experienced enough to make wise choices. They simply don't have the tools necessary for living well. All wise parents understand that. The young need guidance. They'll need to learn to live life successfully on their own. Look again at verse 10. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. See, I know it's become popular for many parents to say, I want my kids to make their own choices, and I want them to know that I'm going to support them in that. Well, that depends on what we're talking about. But to a great degree, that seems like folly. Many parents are simply reinforcing folly. What wise parents will say is, I want my children to make wise and age-appropriate decisions. Then together, we're going to evaluate those decisions, and as they gain experience, I will teach them to choose well, so that very soon they can choose wisdom or become skillful in living on their own. See, some parents allow their children to make a choice as to whether they're going to play baseball or go to church. Do you think your child has the experience to know how that kind of choice will shape them spiritually, morally, and eternally? No, your kid will say, hey, baseball is great fun. Why? Because they're simple, gullible, naive, and uncommitted. You must know that. But some parents are intimidated by their own children, afraid to ever say no. Listen, mom and dad, stop fearing your kids and start training your kids. That's your job. You have to assume that they're vulnerable and easily seduced and quickly diverted from the path of wisdom. Around them are 1,000 voices, the voices of sinners seeking to entice them. They need your wisdom. Now to verse 9. The wisdom of wise, godly parents are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. The garland was a wreath, and the pendant was a necklace with an ornament. And in the ancient world, these were powerful symbols that indicated who a person was. For instance, the pendant around the neck was often worn by an ancient judge or a high government official. It showed dignity and indicated a position of prominence. In our day, we we might think of a military man or woman with an insignia on the uniform indicating rank, or a king with a crown on the head, or, or a judge in a robe. Wisdom, says Solomon, will do that for your children. Their wisdom, their skill at living wisely, will publicly mark them. See, that's what wise parents want for their children. You don't want your kids to be like everyone. You want them to stand out for their wisdom. You want them to be known as young men and women who fear God and know how to live successfully. When you grow up and become adults, you want their love life, their their relationships, their dealings with money, their understanding of God to be skillfully navigated. But that won't come without direction. And so wise parents not only know the young are vulnerable and easily misled, wise parents actively help their young children make wise decisions. They form a pathway of wisdom in them. The way that's done in Proverbs 1 is that they show them the end result of the decisions they make. Verse 17 says, In vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. See, most birds are very smart, and they recognize a trap, and they won't land in it. That's why you want your kids to see. The gang members think that they're lying in wait for others' blood, but that's the trap. Instead, the wise parents help their kids to see that these people are really ambushing themselves. Verse 18 says, but these men lie in wait for their own blood. 
And these are outcomes to the decisions we make in life, which the young do not yet understand. They're, they're simple. And when they have wise parents, they put simplicity behind them. See, it's necessary to drill into your kids that all decisions, even the ones that seem innocent in the moment, have long-term consequences. Wise parents will tell their children stories about people and the outcome of people who both choose poorly and those who choose wisely. You know, it's very likely that some of you who are now older, who have lived through the awful pain of poor choices, are saying, you know, I wish I had had parents like that. Perhaps you're listening and saying, if only someone had spent the time with me when I was young, showing me how decisions I make have consequences much later down the road. But that's where the second half of this chapter comes in. It turns out that wisdom is not only taught by parents, but God himself is making an offer. He is doing it in a parable in the second half of Proverbs 1. In this parable, wisdom is personified as a woman, Lady Wisdom, who goes out offering herself to anyone who will have her. I know that sounds a bit seductive, and in some ways, well, it is. But that's just the point. Even as evil is seductive, there ought to be something about wisdom that will appeal to the desires of people. Who doesn't want to live their life with great and rewarding consequences? Who doesn't want to negotiate the landmines of life with the kind of skill that results in a satisfied heart? I think everyone does, and so wisdom is trying to entice or awaken your desire. Come to her and spend time with her. Listen to Proverbs 1, 20-21. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the market, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gate, she speaks. Did you notice that all the places where wisdom is speaking is not in back alleys, but in the public square? The idea is that wisdom is not hidden, that living skillfully is available in places where anyone can find it. Now, that might seem strange. I mean, where in our culture do you get courses on wisdom? All manner of places will teach you how to make a living, but who will teach you how to build a life? It might seem that Lady Folly introduced to us in chapter 9 is surely being heard everywhere with all her seductions, but where is Lady Wisdom to be found? Actually, she's readily available. Whatever age or stage of life, the book of Proverbs has something meaningful to say. It's like going to the school of wisdom and who wouldn't benefit throughout their lives from that? Gaining skill for living in our world is critical for successful living, and that type of wisdom is what we continue to search for with Dr. Neufeld right after the break. Thanks for listening. You know what, Back to the Bible Canada, we're excited to announce well in advance an incredible ministry event planned for 2017. From April 24th to May 5th, we'll be offering you the opportunity to join Dr. Newfeld and Back to the Bible Canada's team for what we're calling the New Testament Greece by Land and by Sea Tour. This incredible 12-day journey takes us on a breathtaking and inspiring adventure, tracing much of the missionary footsteps of Paul in ancient Greece, and spending four days on the Mediterranean with a special visit to the island of Patmos, where the Apostle John received the revelation. Eight days by land and four days by sea. Join Dr. John, Phil Calloway of Laugh Again, and special musical guests for this awe-inspiring adventure. 
Space for this trip is limited to 80 guests, so you won't want to delay in signing up. Call us today at 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca for more information. Now let's go back to the Bible with Dr. John Newfeld. Proverbs 122 says, How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? I want you to notice that Proverbs mentions three groups of people. The first group are the simple ones, those without the necessary experience to choose well. Secondly, we have scoffers. They represent the person who has made a career out of skepticism. They don't question everything. They they mock everything. And finally, we have fools. Now, the fool is one of the main characters in the book of Proverbs. But what exactly is a fool, and how is a fool different from the simple? Well, firstly, it has nothing to do with levels of education, with with IQ, or even with how much you don't know. The opposite of knowledge is not foolishness. And just getting older doesn't mean you stop being naive or you are delivered from foolishness. You know, there's a saying, there's no fool like an old fool. You can be a young fool or an old fool. You can have an IQ of 200 or 70 and still be a fool. What then is a fool? According to Proverbs 1.7, fools despise wisdom. According to chapter 1, verse 22, they also hate knowledge, and here it likely means the knowledge of God. It's not that they don't understand God, it's that they hate God. But listen to what the entire book of Proverbs says. Proverbs 18, verse 2, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Fools always speak up. They're the first to express their opinion. That's why the simple or the naive or the inexperienced or the ones who have no sure grounding find them so convincing. Fools are always cocky and sure of themselves. Next to them, the wise look weak because they don't answer quickly. They they take time to learn to consider. Proverbs 13 verse 19 says, To turn away from evil is an abomination to fools. Proverbs 14 verse 9 says, Fools mock at the guilt offering. The reason fools don't repent is because they're convinced they've never done anything wrong. And it's this self-assured pathway that looks so attractive to many. When fools die, they say, no regrets. Now, let me show you two Proverbs that are side by side, and at first glance, they seem to contradict each other, but the more you think about it, the more you see the point. It's from Proverbs 26, and verse 4 says, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Then verse 5 says, Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. I hope you see the dilemma. If you answer a fool, you'll become like him. That's not good. So you say, well, then don't answer him. But if you don't answer him, he thinks he's won the fight and becomes even more arrogant. And that's not good. So what should you do? Well, that's the dilemma. Whether you answer him or not, it will be of no avail. The picture we should be getting is that a fool is a person who is constantly convinced that he or she is right. And they have no need to humble themselves before God. That's why they don't fear God. Now back to verse 22. Lady Wisdom, notice carefully, makes an appeal, but to whom? Well, it's to the simple. She speaks to them directly, offering herself. But Lady Wisdom only mentions the scoffers and the fools and makes no appeal to them. It's to the simple, the gullible, the inexperienced who have a chance at wisdom, but not to fools. And that brings us back to the question. 
Why is Lady Wisdom not being heard by many? Well, fools and mockers won't hear her, but the simple just might. And here's what God wants to say to the simple. There are, in fact, four wise words to the gullible. First, pay attention. Anyone can be instructed. It doesn't take an IQ test or education. It takes humility and submission to the will of God to become wise and to live skillfully. Second, listen up. This is to everyone's advantage. Proverbs one twenty three says, If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Again, notice who is being addressed. It's the simple or the inexperienced in making wise choices. These are youths who have been unresponsive to wisdom, but they're now given a second chance. And perhaps that's you. Some people don't learn from their mistakes. They repeat bad relationships. They continue to make poor use of money. They never seem to understand the value of work. They make bad lifestyle choices over and over again and have no idea why bad things keep on happening to them. And if that's you, there's a reward that's being offered. If you pay attention to Lady Wisdom, she will pour out her spirit on you. You'll internalize her lessons and for the first time ever, start to make choices that lead to long-term positive results. That's called skillful living. Now third, there's a warning. Beware there's an expiry date. Listen to verses 24 to 26. Because I have called and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded. Because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. So we've all seen them. It's a jug of milk or a loaf of bread, and it says, best before. And some of us have had a drink of milk that was way past its expiry date, and we realize the only thing to do with it is to spit it out and throw it away. Well then, is there an expiry date not on wisdom itself, but on our response to wisdom? See, when fools get into trouble in this life, they're not really seeking wisdom. They're just looking for a way to get out of the trouble they're in. Take the person who spends money, maxes out their credit card, is in danger of losing everything, now crying out for wisdom. They don't want to take responsibility for their decisions. They don't want to repent. They don't want to learn ways of living. They just want relief from their circumstances. The call to wisdom in their life has expired. If you don't respond to wisdom when she calls, you're going to become hardened and wisdom will mock you in your calamity as she does to all who refuse to listen. And we've said, first of all, that anyone can be instructed if they're willing. Second, that wisdom is to everyone's advantage. And third, that one needs to respond to wisdom's call now. And fourth, here's the warning. All roads we take and all decisions we make lead somewhere. No choice we make in life simply exists on its own. All decisions we make have consequences. Listen to Proverbs 1, verses 29 to 33. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof, therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. See, I find it amazing how few people even have the stomach to speak about actions and consequences. You know, some time ago, a former quarterback for an NFL team was shot to death by his mistress. The paper said he was a fine family man. But what if they told the truth? 
What if they said that he had lied and cheated and betrayed his vows before God and men, and in the day of trouble, wisdom would not rescue him? In spite of all of the advantages of fame and money and talent and the adulation of the crowds, the day of calamity came like a whirlwind, and Lady Wisdom mocked him as he fell to his death. By the way, parents, don't you see, your children need to hear what the papers don't tell them. The simple, the gullible, the inexperienced might turn to wisdom if they hear that roads lead somewhere. And fools, because they know everything and can't be wrong and so are complacent until the day of disaster strikes them, are not the answer. We need to consider the negative examples in our day and not lie to ourselves about them. Whether it's financial crisis in lives and in our wider culture, where we cannot curb our debt and the greed that fills our soul, or whether it be the disaster that comes from sexual choices that break the human spirit or any number of lifestyle choices, wisdom is not about that we are free to make choices. Wisdom teaches us that the choices we make always lead somewhere. Do you want to live with skill? Learn to make choices that are based on wisdom. Read the book of Proverbs. John, thanks for starting off this series so well. Uh, I'm thinking back to the beginning, more or less when you were talking about the parents' responsibility to, to help their children seek out wisdom and discover wisdom for their lives. But it seems to me that in our life today, we sort of abdicate some of that responsibility. I think there's been a huge cultural pressure on parents not to use wisdom on their children. What they're supposed to do in our day is to affirm our kids' choices uh, rather than to direct our children's choices. And, and I think that godly parents are just going to have to resist that cultural norm. We're going to have to say that our kids are not capable of making wise choices by nature because they're born into sin. And so we're going to have to help them and provide them with examples of how their choices lead to long-term consequences. Choices and consequences ought to be a mantra in every Christian home. In the quest to obtain wisdom, we all need God's guidance. Hopefully in today's study, you've been inspired to learn more about the importance of wisdom as taught in the book of Proverbs. If we're to discover what it truly means to have skill in living, we must realize that it begins with a knowledge of God available for all who search Him out and acknowledge that we have much to learn when it comes to the consequences for our good and bad choices. Listen again tomorrow as Dr. Neufeld guides us through Proverbs 2 as we learn about building your life from the inside out. Back to the Bible Canada, leading you forward in your walk with Jesus every day. In Proverbs 1 verse 5, Solomon writes, Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. And then in verse 7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. If we are to ever learn the secrets of wisdom, then we must study the book of Proverbs. It is God's message for all who desire to learn how to live wisely and well, whether it comes to our relationships, work, faith, sexuality, money, and so much more. This week, we'll just begin to search the depths of wisdom discovered in this book as we continue our series, Skillful Living. And as a gift to you, we want to offer this series on CD for free for the month of March. 
So call us for your copy today at 1-800-663-2425. That's 1-800-663-2425. Or email us at info at backtothebible.ca.